live. Lads, glad to be back in the studio, our triumphant return. Uh, welcome to Hex Drinkers Podcast. I'm Julian. I'm joined by Eric. Hello. Oak. Yo. And Chev. <laughs> and we are a longtime playgroup journeying through the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. So, uh, if you guys know us from earlier, we were previously the Brew Crew, but we went through a metamorphosis and we came out uh, the beautiful butterfly that is the Hex Drinkers brand. So, we will be uh, traveling the planes uh, under this uh, moniker from now on. We're super excited to be back at it and uh, to have our our rebirth episode talking about uh, something very near and dear to our hearts. Chev, what are we talking about today? We're talking about <clears throat> Commander Legends today. It's a, a new set that comes out November 20th, um, focused around what was supposed to be the year of Commander, and Wizards is doing their best to kind of like keep us in that mindset. Um, so focusing on a limited Commander environment, the idea is you'll draft three 20-card packs and build a 60-card um, Commander deck. Uh, you can also play, you know, sealed with the normal six-pack variant. But we have over 160 new cards uh, featuring a ton of new legends and the return of the partner mechanic uh, back from Commander 2016 to make a ton of different options and a lot of different things to kind of like smooth out and make a, you know, a, a draftable commander, which is a totally sort of like wild concept. Um, other returning mechanics are Oak's personal favorite, Cascade, to just play all the spells all the time. Um, a new mechanic called Encore, which I believe it's, you know, a creature with Encore, you cast it, you pay its Encore ability while it's in the graveyard, exile the creature, create tokens equal to the number of opponents you have, and exile them at the end of your turn. So it's very multiplayer focused. Um, and I think we also see the return of Monarch, which is, you know, the, the number one uh, multiplayer sort of uh mechanic that's come out of wizards in recent years back from conspiracy 2 i think for encore do don't the creatures also have haste or just automatically attack those opponents or something yeah it's something some freaky combat thing um either it's i think it's like haste with the assurance that they will each attack one of the individual opponents um yeah i'm, yeah. I'm talking about an encore card a little bit later in the set so i'll uh, i'll pull up the official word we'll re-verify <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so that's the set and, uh, I mean, specifically talking about some cards, uh, what we wanted to do for this was we just wanted to go through uh, our tried-and-true formula, just coming up with some of our favorite topics and each pick in our top card in those topics. So if you boys are ready, I, I say we just get into it. Well, Let's this set is a pretty big set. It's almost 400 cards, maybe even a little bit more. Um, but they're not all new cards. Uh, that would be quite a feat if Wizards printed all new cards. So our first, our first uh, topic is what is the best reprint that we're seeing in this set? Um, I'm happy to go first. Uh, I'm going to talk about Three Wishes. Three Wishes is a card that we have not seen printed in a long time. Uh, it was well over $100 for a basically a reprint of another card that is not well over $100. The card just wasn't worth as much as was being charged for it because it was so scarce and so rare. And just seeing this card at Uncommon is exactly what I want to see from Wizards reprints. In the future, I essentially want them to look at the list of cards that cost more than $50 and reprint them all until they don't. Um, Why don't you uh, tell us what this card is, Eric? Ah, thank you. Of course I will. Uh, Three Wishes, uh, if you haven't heard of it, because it's, again, very old, is one and a green for a sorcery. Search a library for a, ba uh, for a forest, not necessarily a basic forest, but not on the battlefield, not necessarily tapped. 
Super simple, super not worth $100, but that is exactly why I'm happy to see it at Uncommon and getting put back in the ecosystem at a healthy rate. Um, Eric, uh, what do you think about this new art on Three Wishes compared to the last one? It's It's been a very long time since it's been printed, like you mentioned, and uh, we don't really have that like Tolkien-esque art style anymore, but uh, just curious what you thought about that. I think that the Three Wishes, the previous Three Wishes art of like sort of a Three Wise Men kind of like Chinese like, uh, and like the flavor text sort of implied like sort of the <coughs> Chinese meritocracy system and this is instead like, hey, three fey are going to bust into your house, they're going to give you a forest, and then they're going to leave. And I think that it is very different flavor, but I think it's still good flavor. And I actually kind of like the art. I know that's not super popular, but I like the three different fairies, and like they're they're all different colors, and the, the forest like is literally coming in the house with them. I can't remember where it was um, spoiled, but someone on Reddit, I think, was doing a lot of digging, and they, pla- they placed the three different fey from three different planes. Um, it was like one looked like a Lorwyn Fey, one looked Elderain, and I forget what the third one was, but there was like some idea that, you know, it's like these three different planes coming together to gift you a forest. Um, yeah, I definitely, I, I do miss the sort of like, uh, the original printing from this card was from Portal Three Kingdoms, and the Portal series were based largely on like uh, Chinese mythology and sort of ideas and concepts that are central to culture. And so I do feel like we lose a little bit from like those really interesting sort of sets but it's definitely not flavor that is easily reprintable um and is probably like a a more generic thing since wizards is going away from the real world settings probably makes more sense for future reprints down the line and like you said eric hopefully this means it will get printed much more frequently like nature's lore well my personal pick for best reprint is also a card that was uh very expensive, although maybe rightfully so, and that is Staff of Domination. So this is a card from, I believe, originally Mirrodin or Darksteel. Um, it's an artifact for three, and then has a bunch of different abilities. One of them untaps it, one of them gains you some life, one of them taps creatures, one of them draws you a card, and they have like increasingly um, costing mana cost going between one and five. Um, this card used to be $50, one because it was an old card, um, back in the you know Mirrodin block original Mirrodin block days uh, the print runs were a lot lesser than they are now um, and also because it was a rare from back then and because it's just such a unique effect it does so many different things and the fact that it's colorless means that it can go in every deck which is one of the reasons why I love the card so much is because it is so versatile it does all these different things and it can go in any sort of deck so if you're playing maybe like a Boros deck for instance this gives you card draw as well as some other sneaky things that you normally wouldn't think to be doing in something like that but like i said it was fifty dollars now i'm seeing it pre-ordering for around ten dollars which i think is a much more reasonable price range still not exactly budget but if you're going to get up to some shenanigans with uh staff of domination i think you might be willing to drop that 10 uh, now that it's you know 20 percent of what it used to so very happy to see that reprint coming through so uh kind of piggybacking off that theme of uh expensive artifacts that are hopefully going to cost less now um my pick for best reprint was Scroll Rack, which, uh, if you don't know, is a um, simple two-mana artifact. Uh, tap one and it to uh, kind of do this weird like brainstorm-esque effect where you exile any number of cards from your hand. Um, then you get to dr- essentially draw that many cards, and then you take the exiled cards and put them back on top of your library. So, um, as you guys know, I'm 
or may or may not know, I'm a big fan of both Sensei's Divining Top, um, probably to the dismay of these other guys, and uh, as Chev mentioned before, Cascade. So uh, this is a card I've been trying to pick up for my Maelstrom Wanderer deck for ages now, and I did go through a brief phase uh, of creating a Narset, um, creature Narset deck, uh, where I wanted this for that too. Um, but uh, being that it kind of costed a, a lot and it only really slotted well into one deck, um, I didn't really go for it. But uh, who knows, with the reprint here, uh, maybe the price will go down. Uh, maybe it won't, and I'll just ignore it, and maybe I'll pull it into draft. So, we'll have to see, but either way, I'm excited. I think that actually, Oak, that is kind of a good point, is that a lot of these cards, we are going to talk a little bit about what they cost, but, you know, ideally, if you're picking up this set, you have some, at least a playgroup of four people or so that you could do a draft with, and there's nothing better than cracking those cards that you want in that draft you don't have to go and search for them you just get them but then you also get to play with them right there i know that uh we pre-ordered a box and we're going to be playing some uh when the holidays get a little bit closer um and we're all together so yeah would highly recommend if uh y'all listening have a play group uh definitely pick pick this up um if you're doing a traditional pot of four there's enough for two full drafts or uh, one sealed and the boxes are not very expensive they're not like master's level product no they're like 126 yeah so not not like master's level um but not standard so would recommend yeah i'm i'm really hoping that you know this experience will be kind of like when we did a was it iconic masters draft in eric's basement um and i i don't remember much from it besides like pulling oblivion stones um uh, Someone got a Grove uh, of the Burn Willows. Yeah, Grove of the Burn Willows. Because <laughs> I passed then it Then there to was him. an Acroma. Um, not Acroma, Avacyn. The the one who makes everyone indestructible. And the uh, what's the modern card that y- it gets like counters on it and you get to play stuff for free? Oh. Ether Vile. Ether Vile. Yeah. Ether Vile, yeah, yeah. There was an Ether Vile floating around too. And I think there was a few other lines. But it was, you know, all this value that we ended up being able to use in other sort of constructs. And then we were able to kind of play in that draft overall. So with our box, definitely hoping for something like that. Uh, the card that I'm most happy to see reprinted, you know, like uh, just like Eric's card, well over $100 and definitely not rightfully so. Hopefully this drops to 3 or $4 range. Um, of course, I'm talking about Vampiric Tutor. Um, it's a Sell one out. black mana for an instant <laughs> um, to put a card search your library for any card put it on top and lose two life uh, now I'm not just saying this because I just built a black instance matter Toshiro deck that this would be really nice to be able to uh, recur relatively easily but considering since it's printing only like two three years ago it's hiked up over 50%, um, $200, and now we're seeing pre-order prices for like 30 bucks. Uh, it's definitely not cheap, but it's much more accessible, and hopefully this means we'll be able to see it in more uh, products going forward. And anything to get more sort of like tutoring um, at lower levels, I know uh, with Grim Tutor getting a reprint recently too, like we're seeing these kind of come back a little bit, and that's super nice. All right, well, we talked about some reprints, but of course we are hyped for the new cards, the new shiny things that we get to play with. This is a commander set, so there are a lot of legendary creatures. But first, we wanted to discuss uh, our favorite new card that is not a commander. We were talking about Encore a little bit earlier. I'm just going to get this one out of the way because I think Phyrexian Triniform is sweet. So let me, let me read this because there are a lot of words on this card. 
first off, costs nine mana, nine generic mana. It's an artifact creature golem. It's a nine nine. Um, when it dies, create three 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 colorless golem artifact creature tokens. So it's kind of got that worm coil engine thing going on where. When it dies, it you know it splits off into little pieces that kind of still live. But it also has Encore for 12 generic mana. All right. So when you Encore something, you pay its Encore cost, which in this case is 12 generic mana. You exile that card from your graveyard. And then for each opponent, which generally is three, maybe it's down to two or one, depending on what point of the game you are, create a token copy that attacks that opponent this turn if able. They gain haste. And then a very important part is sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step, and you can only activate Encore as a sorcery. Now, Chev, I think originally you said exile, which would make sense because a lot of times when things create tokens just for a turn, they do exile them. These sacrifice, which is crazy important because if you remember the text on the actual card, when it dies, create three, three, three colorless golem artifact creature tokens. Now, for all of those Encore tokens you made, you're getting three... Uh, three three golems that will stick around those won't go away um so you know not only are you swinging with three hasty nine nines but now all of a sudden that's nine golems that you get from those um i also think this is pretty sick with anything that you want to sacrifice so i was thinking like uh you know you play this you sack it to altar of dimension mill someone for nine you sack the golems that's another nine combined then if you get to encore it that's a lot of mill or if you're playing something like uh gerard golgari lich lord you are sacking this draining for nine then an additional nine if you sack all the golems then nine for each encore copy that's a lot of damage adding up so i think phyrexian triniform even though it's really stupidly expensive there's enough artifact ramp and just ramp in general in this format that you could be getting this bad boy out real early and i think there's ways to uh, abuse these dying triggers my take on that was a little bit different. My take on this best new commander card. So, uh, actually, I, I guess I have a couple takes on this. Maybe they're hot, maybe they're not. So, um, it's important to note that when sets like this come out, and even like the commander precons, that their, their uh, card pool is going to be legal in more than just commander. And notably, they'll be legal in legacy and vintage. Um, and sort of... Down that route, we see the card Opposition Agent, which is, uh, I'm very, you know, it's been very hyped up, and I'm very eager to see where it sort of places itself outside of the uh, commander sort of sphere, um, particularly in Legacy, because it essentially presents itself as a, I, I'd say it's like an ar arguably, arguably just straight up better uh, even mind sensor, um, and it's also in... It's also two and a black as opposed to two and a white, which is a, a much more commonly uh, played color in Legacy and Vintage, just due to the overall uh, power difference between the two. So, um, there's that, and then if we're talking about the uh, just single, like, best card in terms of commander power or just power on its own, um, I think for that I'd have to go with um, Mnemonic Deluge. And it, this is a card that I'm really... I, I think is going to fit into basically every... Uh, spell slinger deck that's ever been created essentially <laughs> um, that's got blue in it which is which of course is most of them um, so mnemonic deluge is exile target instant or sorcery card from a graveyard copy that card three times you may cast the copies without paying their mana cost and then exile mnemonic deluge um, I think this the, the clause where you copy the card but you get to cast the copies is very important because you'll see cards like uh, skull storm for example um, essentially you get to triple up on the 
amount of uh, copies you get off of the base card uh, for that. So uh, that's definitely a a card combo I'm really not looking forward on or not looking forward to being on the other end of. Um, oh, could you read Opposition Agent just so that people know exactly how busted oh, yeah, it is sure. in older Sorry. formats? Um, let's see. So Opposition Agent is 3-2 uh, two for 2 and a black with uh, Human Rogue with Flash. You control opponents while they're searching their libraries, and while an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find... You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast them. So, um, again, my, my sort of comparison to Avon Mind Sensor was uh, your opponents only have like a slight uh, part of their deck that they can look at in that, but in this one you can actually just choose what they get, and then you can play the cards that they get rather than them. So, uh, yeah, seems, seems very powerful. That's kind of dirty with, like, fetch lands. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's actually nasty. Number one. Yep. Or Chev's brand new Vampiric Tutor just grabs you whatever card you want. That's right. That's true. I'm generous like that. What a nice guy. <laughs> you can finally nice have your own Eldrazi, Julian. Why would I ever Chev want Chev even those? pays the two life. Isn't, isn't that nice? That's true. He foots the bill. Uh, I think I'm going to be talking about a card that's maybe... A little less powerful, but is a reprint, or not a reprint, a new card that I'm very excited about. Um, Magus of the Order. Uh, two and two green, same as Natural Order. Uh, one green, tap, sack Magus of the Order, and another green creature. Search your library for a green creature, put it into the battlefield, shuffle your library. It's a 3-3, three, three, but that doesn't super matter. Um, first off, I love Natural Order. Great card, super powerful. Two green to the battlefield is always just straight broken because you can just tap this and an elvish mystic and all of a sudden you have a crater hoof behemoth and that's pretty cool it's like we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh over here exactly um <laughs> uh and i think the magus cards are just a really great design space and i honestly think the overall design space that like the magus are even like within themselves of hey we want to reprint this effect this is a good effect or this is a cool effect but we can't just reprint it on the same card, or they don't want to, and so they decide to repackage it somehow, and either add something or take something away from it, um, or like maybe change up some colors on it. Uh, I think that's a really, really cool way to do it, and I just think of all of those that we're seeing in this set, of which there are actually a pretty fair number, um, Magus of the Order is my favorite one, and probably the best one, uh, having nothing to do with it being green and a source of outrageous mana cheat. But like maybe a little. But like maybe a lot. Fair enough. Going off of the uh, the mana cheating, I I'm not sure if it's because I want to build Obika, who will or Becca, um, who we'll get into in a little bit. But I've been really hot on uh, Hellkite Courser, which for those of you who are unaware, it's a two red four generic flying dragon, a six five. And it has, when Hellkite Courser enters the battlefield, you may put a commander you own from the command zone onto the battlefield. It gains haste. Return it to the command zone at the beginning of the next end step. So you basically just get to put this uh, dragon down, and then whatever is currently hanging out in your command zone comes along for the ride. And so I, I remember when Geode Golem was spoiled from um, C2018. It had this ability where uh, whenever you deal combat damage, I think it was a 5-3 for 5, 
um, trample. Whenever you deal combat damage, you may cat you may put your uh, commander from the command zone onto the battlefield. And granted, that was a more permanent effect, but it had more steps. Whereas with uh, Hellkite Courser, you just drop something onto the battlefield from the command zone. And since it isn't cast, your tax doesn't go up the next time you try to play it. Also, you get, you know, a free ETB if your uh, commander's doing one of those. Or, you know, hypothetically, if you have a big Eldrazi in the zone, um, which would be an awkward feat to have if you have a red card in your deck. Um, <laughs> but going off of that, if you had something big and smashy up there, and you can just play that for free, get in an attack... Uh, and also the idea, I know we talked about it a bit as a group, of like, you know, thinking about um, how this works thematically. And so you have a dragon show up and, you know, you have a a, uh, a knight jump on their back, fight in combat for a little bit and go back. Or you have an Eldrazi Titan like Emrakul hop on its back and then it just completely gets obliterated. Uh, but, you know, is back up and ready to fight the next turn. So I I, I really like the versatility, and I'm I'm slowly getting around to liking Red's ability to sneak creatures into play a little bit as like my favorite part of what Red kind of does, and especially with the sort of temporariness and then how you can mess with that. So hopefully I'm gonna find a place for Hellkite Courser. I think. I have already found one. It's in my Ur Dragon deck. You're welcome to do the same. <laughs> that does make sense. I was kind of considering it for the uh, the Flippy Boys, Okown and Zinder Split, um, as a way to like immediately push Okown into the field, and then when combat starts, you get all of those coin flip triggers to double and maybe just you know destroy someone out of nowhere. Or on the flip side, <laughs> bring out Zinder Split and then just be able to draw a ton of cards. That was a terrible pun. You're the worst. <laughs> oh, I think God. there should be a clause on Hellkite Courser where uh, if the creature entering the battlefield has greater power or toughness than Hellkite Courser, <laughs> then you have to destroy Hellkite Courser. And it stays because it, you know, yeah. destroyed the Courser on its yeah. way into yeah. battle. So, the dragon, for those, uh, can't leave. For, for those who haven't seen, the art on Hellkite Courser is, is pretty cool. It's this, you know, very nice, very imposing dragon, like, flying by the side of this castle, like the ramparts, and there's this knight or some sort of warrior, like, basically swan diving just off the side of the castle onto the dragon. But, you know, now imagine that, where the knight is just a much bigger dragon. Yeah. I'm not sure any one of us has a commander that is just... Oh, I guess Feldon um, is well, just I a was normal a, person. Tatiova yeah, I was going to say, like, Tatiova like, would have to, like, uh, dolphin flop. Ur-Dragon, I, I don't know how that relationship works. <laughs> it's like, hopping on your kid's back is never really... A, Great idea. Yeah. just drifts <laughs> no, on no. the back. Carador jumps <laughs> and then because he's a spirit just passes through the court the Hellkite. <laughs> oh. You now now we need a specific creature type clause. They need to be corporeal. Otherwise yeah. it's just like oh what are you doing? <laughs> Alright, well maybe we'll uh maybe we'll do a bonus podcast about talking about what commanders actually can ride the Hellkite Courser. But for now <laughs> we'll, we'll fix it you know this this is too open-ended we need tree folk aren't allowed <laughs> they can't well they can't jump they don't have yep. legs <laughs> tree folk can't jump you heard it here first they'd never make it in the nba they'd never make it non-partner commander let's talk about non-partner commanders oh sounds great what was that segue oh boy <laughs> so so off of that i think um you know since since i brought up Ubika at the beginning um as this new uh, Grixis commander, and I've been looking for a reason to get back into Grixis for quite some time, but Obika, a brute chronologist, is one in Grixis for a 3-4. Tap, uh, the player whose turn it is may end the turn. 
Um, so this is a basically a riff on the sundial of the infinite text, uh, which is, you know, you may end the turn um, if it's your turn. But this, of course, opens up the political angle of like, you could do this on someone else's turn in a turn cycle if, you know, a devastating cyclonic rift is about to strike or their attack was met with some resistance that they didn't expect. Uh, and so you can kind of play it politically. Uh, where I was going with, uh, of course, Hellkite Courser, though, is... Um, the ability on Hellkite Courser is your your commander goes onto the battlefield and at the end of turn, return it to the command zone. And because it's worded like that and not it stays on the battlefield until the end of the turn, which would mean no action technically occurs at the end of your turn, it's just the end of an action, since it is return it to your command zone, if you end the turn before while that trigger's on the stack, then your commander is just out there. So, you know, instead of just hopping on the Hellkite Courser for a ride, now you hopped off and are on the battlefield. And we go into this with like the the encore mechanic too. Like if while the the triggers are on the stack for the tokens to exile themselves, just end the turn. And then your tokens are around uh, for until they die of natural causes or someone's mortify. So you get to like all of these little sort of interactions that you think um, bear some negative consequence. Uh, the biggest ones we've seen so far is like sneak attack, uh, which is pay a red, put a creature from your hand onto the battlefield, sack it at end of turn. Um, just don't sack it and you just get to have all the creatures all Orch the time. Of, I think there's a few effects that are very powerful, but at say at the end of turn or at the end of next turn, you lose the game. That seems pretty bad. I wonder how you would get around that. That is true, Julian. I, I don't know. Maybe three or four copies of time walk in this deck, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think there's only three. Unfortunately, um, since I wasn't fully committed and I didn't want to jump in the, the $20 it would have cost to get all of the time walk cards before, you know, the all the speculators got out there and bought them because a lot of them are from like 7th edition and older. Uh, recently, we have seen Glorious End uh, from Amonkhet. That's three mana, end the turn, uh, but you can do it on someone else's turn uh, to stop, you know, one of their nefarious deeds. And since Obeka, Obeka, uh, still not sure how i want to say that yet is a may trigger like if you cast if you target an opponent with that they can choose whether or not they want uh the turn to end so you know glorious end allows you to do it but final fortune and a few other ones i think one's even from portal uh is two mana red gain an extra take an extra turn after this one but at the end of it you lose um so you know let's not lose hell yeah and hey if if the uh feldon deck wants to do a team up I'm not. You know, I'd it. I'd love a two-headed giant game, uh, with playing as Feldon and partnered with Obeka. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but did one, uh, legendary of every three-color combination get printed for this set? Uh, I believe they did do one of every wedge and yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I was gonna say in in sort of line with that. Um, my favorite, um, I guess non-partner commander for this set. Uh, is one that I kind of, as soon as I saw this guy, I knew uh, he was going to be awesome and that I like might want to build a deck around him. Uh, the man I'm talking about, of course, is Gen Arcanum Weaver. Again, I hope that's how you pronounce Gen. It's got to be. Um, yeah, it's a GH. Yeah. So uh, he costs uh, just a red, a white, and a black for a 2-3 human wizard. Um, he has one activated ability which is same as his converted mana cost, uh, a red, a white, and a black, uh, and tap him, sacrifice an enchantment, and return an enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now, this is, uh, like, a super simple effect, but 
it's support for an archetype that we haven't really seen much in red or black, uh, very much at all over the years. And, you know, just before this set came out, I was thinking to myself how many cool, um, powerful, and just, like, threatening red enchantments there are in the game of Magic. And, um, you know, to the point where we, we see cards like, um... Oh, geez. Uh, Sunbird's Invocation. Like, they hit the battlefield, and then they just die instantly. Uh, because they're so good. But with Gen, you get to bring them back from the graveyard uh, and give them another chance. Uh, so, I, I think he's awesome. I think there's a billion different ways to build around this deck. Uh, the way I personally would build around him, I'll get into uh, possibly a little later when we talk about some of our other uh, favorite cards. Wink, wink. But... Uh, I guess just the last thoughts I have for this is I'm so glad they didn't make him green because they could have easily done that and his ability would have been just so abusable with Aspect of Mongoose and uh, Rancor. True. I think another cool thing about, um, again, the fact that you have to sac like kind of almost do like a Goblin Welder sort of split is there's so many um, enchantments like Banishing Lights or Oblivion Rings that when they enter... Um, they have like a, you know, put something under them and then when they leave, it comes back. So I feel like there's a one for some of the ones that are worded, um, in the old way, you can actually abuse it where you sacrifice it before the triggers stack properly and you can get rid of it permanently. You can exile it permanently. Second, if you choose to use it on like a commander, well, you can, you know, say someone has, say the Ur dragons out well, you banishing light it and then. Eric chooses to put the Ur Dragon back into the command zone. Well, now that Banishing Light's just sitting there, except you can trade it in for whatever else you might want. Exactly. Or um, you, if you know, you put it on something, but maybe that's not threatening, or you want to politic, you sacrifice that, give somebody their some their thing back. Um, or you even could put it on your own thing. If you're like, I'm going to cast a, a a Wrath, you put it on your biggest creature, you cast the Wrath or whatever, and then later you can sacrifice it, bring your thing back. So I think there's a lot of like really interesting lines of play that are possible when using this. So I, I agree. I, I like that they went off the beaten path and didn't make him like a green, white or a Bant enchantress kind of card. Yeah, absolutely. I know you There's said also been some, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I know you said you don't want him to be Bant, but now I wish that you could play Ashiox Erasure in this deck so that you could do whack counter spell stuff with, Ooh, I play Ashiox Erasure. Now it's gone before it even counters the spell, but the spell still countered. <laughs> that is kind of Big it's kind of dirty. That's tricksy. I appreciate oh. it. There has been some speculation that uh, Gen is from the uh, school of wizard craft that we're going to see in um, next summer, with the idea that maybe this is an ability we'll see in the Mardu realm of things or something like that. We might see a, a red, black, white enchantment matters sort of sub theme. I know that's something that people are, are really excited about, but there's there's a few sort of nods in here that seem to be pointing towards um, upcoming sets. And I, that's that's one of the ones that I'm kind of hoping for to see something a little bit unique in the coming months. I do always love a good a good flavor win card. They're just oh, oh scrumptious. Um, speaking of which, both of my favorite non-partner commanders are just absolutely massive flavor wins that are just oh, perfect um i'm gonna let julian talk about one of them and instead i'm gonna sub in just a one-line hamza guardian varshan big old big old elephant man 
loves plus one plus one counters from Targir, 11 out of 10. Now let's talk about Jared, the true heir. <laughs> the um, Jared is such a anticlimactic name. We're talking about like Gen, Obeka, like all these crazy names, and then it's Jared. Jared. Like your your favorite Jared. frat your favorite frat bro from down the street or something. <laughs> he kind of looks like Henry Cavill with long hair. I can't get that image out of my head. All right, real talk. He's a hunk. <laughs> he is a hunk. Mm-hmm. Jared is a hunk. 11 Hunky out of 10 man. hunk. But let's not talk about a hunk. Let's talk about Kos Naya, human warrior. When he enters the battlefield, one of your opponents becomes the monarch? What's that about? Uh, well, that's about if damage would be de- dealt to Jared while you're the monarch, prevent that damage. Put that many 1-1 one, one counters on him. He's a 3-3. Three, three. He's here for what's his. Um, essentially, it's just a great flavor win in terms of like the conspiracy, like take the crown, just like, mm-mm. This is mine. <laughs> uh, and I I really like the idea of commanders with commanders and legendary creatures and just spells overall with a drawback. Like recently we've seen so many cards where it's like, oh, do you want some pro with your pro? Do you want some card advantage with your value generation? Do you want some life gain to go with your tokens? Oh, you're playing lands. Why don't we just draw you cards and generate you other resources while we're at it? Cause like, that's what you need. Like, We've seen a lot of design philosophy that says, well, cards can be good, but why don't they be great? Or why don't they be perfect? And Jared is sort of, like, he's got this massively powerful effect that pairs really well with red board wipes, like Blasphemous Act and uh, Chain Reaction. But you gotta get there. Like, you give your opponent the monarchy, and then you have to take it back. And I think that is a design philosophy that I can really get behind. So, uh, Eric, I'm not sure if you know quite how big of a flavor win Jared is, as he was one of the first characters ever designed for Magic and is from the original Magic comic book line from, like, the 90s. I didn't know that. So he... That's incredible. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> so he's he's been due for a card for quite some time. But I, I totally agree. I really like the idea that, like, you know, he is coming for the throne and, like, someone else might have it now, but it's, it's not going to be theirs for long. I think Jared's great, but I'm a little bit partial to this other uh this other commander um eric eric is a fan of him too but i managed to snatch him from him since i was writing my notes before he was and that is a uh, archelos lagoon mystic he is the uh saltai uh, non-partner commander he's one black green blue he's a legendary creature turtle shaman uh he's a two four and it says as long as he is tapped other permanents enter the battlefield tapped and as long as he's untapped other permanents enter the battlefield untapped and his uh his flavor text is life dot 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 is not dot 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 a race so uh we'll, we'll get back to that but one i think this occupies a really cool design space um salt eye is i think pretty much unargued the best color combo that you could do in edh it just has all the best things right it has like ramp it has tutors from black it has card drawn counter spells from blue all that sort of stuff so you easily could just make like a generic value-based whatever saltai uh commander but this is a really different design pace design space and i think it's really cool because you essentially get to set the pace of the game i am a control major at heart so i like to have at least a uh, a pretty good handle on how things are happening um so you you know by doing tricksy things with tapping him untapping him you can not only prevent people from coming in and uh you know activating artifacts right when they come in or whatever but you can also politics. So maybe you say on somebody's turn, you get to tap him so that all their creatures come in uh, tapped. And then on 
somebody else's turn, you switch it so that their stuff, maybe even it has haste, say a Maelstrom Wanderer or something, um, can come in and uh, that person's shields are down because you made all their stuff come in tapped. Um, so I think there's some really cool uh, things that you can do in terms of politicking there. And also there's just a lot of uh, cool things that you can do with tapping like uh, Honor Worn Shaku, which is a, a mana rock that if you tap an untapped legend, you can untap it. So there's extra mana generation, but it's also just a free way to tap. Uh, there's things like vehicles. There's things like opposition, which might be getting into the the mean-ish territory. So um, I think that's sweet. Another thing, this guy also has some pretty cool flavor, which I just learned today. Uh, it's the tortoise and the hare, you know, the classic tale. So he's the tortoise, and he's so powerful of a mage that he actually basically creates like a certain radius sort of around him everything within that radius just moves slower and if you like go to talk to him whatever you might ask him a question and then all of a sudden you're like oh an hour's gone by and he hasn't answered my question but because of his magic you kind of just get lulled into this go with the flow sort of thing and there's another card in the set which is a a, a rabbit like a rabbit trickster or whatever um and his flavor text is something like, go, 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 gotta go. Like, why are you always waiting around or something? So he's like the rabbit that's always pestering Arkelos because he doesn't like that he's he's moving so slow. So just kind of a nice little little take on the uh, the old tale. The one thing I am concerned well, of... That was a, uh, a nice pitch, but I think you just like him because you were the Turtles in college, right? I was a... Uh, and I am an alumni of the University of Maryland, and our mascot is the Diamondback Terrapin. That's right. I there is a slight spot in my heart for the, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. anyway, I, Chev, let me let me finish talking about the card. I I like what it promotes. I think it's a cool avenue. I am concerned it's going to be used for the forces of evil. Like I said, it is in the most powerful color combination, and people who like doing untappy and un- and tappy things um, are usually people who like things like Winter Orb or Stasis. So I feel like you could make a very mean deck with this card uh, that would lack a lot of people out. So don't be those people unless you're, you know, I don't know, whatever. Unless you're like a CEDH player, then go ahead, get get dirty with it. I think stacks should be more acceptable at casual tables. Nope. I think, I think, I, <laughs> I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing is Eric is our resident CEDH player. So he is more open about these things. I, I agree. I think we should be a little bit more open about play styles. I think the thing is stacks is so hard to play right and construct your deck right. So, Yes, no one's able to do anything, but you're also not sitting there like agonizing on your turn about what to do and all this sort of stuff. You're you know what you're doing. So you deploy your pieces and then you also finish the game in hopefully a timely manner. And I think that not a lot of people can do that. So that's why it's got issues. Yeah. If it doesn't have if the game does not end in casual and you're just like, I got Armageddon, I pass. Do you have anything yeah, to do next exactly. turn? I got this forest in my hand. Not helpful. Don't do that. Yeah, Don't be yep. that guy. Yep. There's there's a lot of stuff like that. But anyway. I do want to finish this up because I want to get on to the next section. Uh, I want to throw an honorable mention to uh, AC, Tyrant of the Gyre Strait, which is one of the commanders out of the precon. Um, there are precons that come with this set. There's two of them. One is Simic. One is Boros. I'm talking about the Simic one because, no offense, the Boros one is not that good. But um, this is basically a strictly better Tatiova Benthic Druid, which is one of my favorite decks. I've had it for a long time. Um, he costs one more mana, except he's a 5-5, five, five, not a 3-3. Three, three and he lets you play an additional land. I'm upset that he's strictly better. I just want to say once again, why are we just doing these blatantly powerful and pushed things in blue and green? Like Eric was saying earlier, do you want some draw with your card draw? Do you want some ramp with your whatever? It's like, can we not do this? Especially in a pre-con. I don't know. I'm I'm going to switch him out for Tatiova, but <laughs> I, like I'm going to do it because... I'm going to be mad about it. <laughs> it's But I'm mad on principle, right? 
I'm mad on yeah, principle. Yeah. So the the real question is, will Tat have a place in the 99, or is she being kicked out completely? I'm gonna test a few different configurations. I mean, because I'm still te- mm-hmm. I'm still testing that deck with new cards from Zendikar Rising anyway. So we'll see. But uh, I, I would imagine there's gonna be both of them in there. But you're not gonna be seeing Tat as much because she's not gonna be at the helm. If you're drawing cards for both of them. I do think you literally have to put Lab Man in, or you will just die. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, it's never like he's never on a, a tangent with lands. Like he he systematically, you know, you'll play lands that ramp you a little bit, and then you draw six cards. So we talked about our favorite new non-partner commanders, of which they have one for every wedge, every shard, and every two-color combination. Um, now let's talk about our favorite new partner commanders like we said partners back in the set i think they made a very good choice in this though in that all of the partners are monocolored so uh you're not getting down to any timnathrasios sort of things and they're also um much more specific so it's harder to just oh i'm just going to jam these two random you know effects together and then get all the colors that i want uh you uh kind of have to build with them more um but I want to start out with my personal favorite, which is Keleth, Sunmane Commander. Boy is a horse. He's a horse. So he is a... Oh, sorry. Sunmane Familiar. Keleth, Sunmane Familiar. He's one in a white for a 1-1 legendary creature. Horse. Whenever a commander you control attacks, put a 1-1 counter on it. Simple. I love it. You play him on turn two. You're attacking on turn three. Most people don't have creatures out and if they do they're mana dorks they're not going to block with him so i really think that you can just get in with this dude like a bunch and then you know i'm assuming you well you should have another partner i'm assuming you're not just going to play this guy as your your one commander um so he's just going to that uh commander is going to get buffed as well um i like that it just encourages attacking because i think that's uh, a thing that has really been strayed away from in commander people just don't go into the combat zone because they're like oh i'll just ramp and then i'll just generate a million mana and cast exsanguinate and just kill you all like that it's like i i mean back when we started playing magic it was all about getting in the red zone so uh, i like that this kind of brings it back and um white's also a really good support color so you get a lot access to a lot of uh good cards if you're playing keleth as one of your partners julian what a creature type is keleth boy is a horse or girl Girls a horse. Ah, right. Girl could be a horse. I too. forgot. Well, as the uh, as the only person here with an active uh, partner deck, that being uh, Timna and uh, oh dear, Bile Smasher, almost forgot. Um, I uh, when when uh, trying to figure out my favorite partner commander from the new set, my mind immediately went to what could potentially like boost that deck or raise it up, and I definitely considered Keleth as a um, as as up there, uh, being a two mana. Uh, card that I could play the turn before Timna and then just immediately get in um, to draw a card the next turn when I, of course, play Timna. Um, but besides Keleth, there wasn't a whole lot of support for that, uh, and I was a little bit disappointed, uh, to be honest. Um, so, completely unrelated to, or uh, I guess agnostic of any uh, decks that I currently own, uh, I'd like to say for almost entirely flavor reasons, I... Love Tago Goblin Weaponsmith. Um, I have, like, a sort of weird fascination with, uh... Oh, sorry, let me explain what he is. Um, uh, he's two mana... Er, two generic mana and a red for a legendary Goblin Artificer. 
Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a colorless equipment artifact token named Rock. With Did someone say Rock? Has Rock. Yep, that's it. Just nice. Rock. Um, <laughs> uh, it's like food, you know? Simple. <laughs> um, equipped creature has pay one, tap it, sacrifice Rock. <laughs> this creature deals two damage to any target and equip one. So... I don't know what it is, but I have a weird fascination with um, tribes that, yes, rock tribal, um, tribes that have, <laughs> I have a weird fascination with rocks, I, I, I have a weird fascination with tribes that uh, seem very brutish, but uh, have certain members that are very, like, intelligent, uh, and of course, like, when I think of this, of course, like, my mind immediately goes to, like, Mizzix and, like, Kirkesh and even uh, from the new set, Obeka. I think is a great example of that. Um, and I, I guess it's kind of debatable whether uh, this man is, is really a smart goblin or not. But uh, he, he's very cool flavor-wise. And he's an artificer, you know, kind of like Slowbed, kind of like Doretti. Um, and even if his ability is a little silly, I just think... I, I think for so many reasons this card just knocks it out of the park flavor-wise. Like, just the, you know, calling him a weapon swift, smith and the weapons are all just rocks, you know. I mean, it's a simple joke, but, well, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't, I, I might debate whether he's, you know, very smart, very elegant, very, you know, engineering, but I would recommend to our listeners, just go to your favorite magic search engine, whatever, and look up uh flavor text that has his name in it because, oh boy, are there some gems. There's some real gems in there. <laughs> I would also add on that, you know, um, I, I definitely agree. I think that, uh, people that are, you know, have made a, a large amount of their life dedicated to rocks um probably you know aren't aren't the the smartest ones in the bucket um just because like you know there's so many more interesting tools out there for equipment and uh you know there's they're still playing with rocks i i I wonder what what you what you think about that julian so eric well what what card do you want to talk about your prime (laughs) what what i want to talk about is that when they're making these horses they're making these dragons no one thinks of the trees no one thinks of the tree people that you got to put on the back of these horses that you got to put on the back of these dragons they just don't fit. So I actually had a great joke here that was a better transition, but I went with that. Uh, it's really just <laughs> the line from the Moana song. What can I say except Kodama? Uh, Kodama, the East Tree. Uh, it's green. It's Kamigawa. And once again, it cheats mana. Um, what a surprise. Well, honestly, I think it falls dead center in the green color pie of like just value generation for value generation's sake. And it has the same weakness that a lot of green cards have as a weakness, which is you only, you can't like draw a card super well in green. So yeah, turn uh, one, you play take this that six back. six. You take no that back right now. You're at a ca- you, no one kills it because you're at a casual table and no one murders your creature. Um, then next turn you play one card out of your hand, it rips another. They got like two cards in your hand. <laughs> like it's, I, I think that. This card is not the threat that most people make it out to be. Many people have thought themselves very clever to notice that it goes infinite with all of the Karoos. I don't think that matters that much. It's not that impressive to get infinite landfall triggers. It's a six mana card. If you have a Karoo in your hand and a card that combos with it, I think that you've earned that win. Um, If no one has any interaction for your creature or for your combo piece or to stop you, you should win the game. That's talking about the competitive element. I think at the casual element, it's also great. People 
will love this as just a gigantic Timmy beat stick. It's a 6-6 six, six for 6 with reach. Sorry, it's 4 and, a, and 2 green uh, reach. Whenever a permanent enters the battlefield under your control, um, you may put a permanent of equal or lesser converted mana cost into play. Um, so that's how it goes infinite with Karoo's, is you bounce the Karoo with its own effect and then put it in with his effect, or with its effect. Um, but I think that at a casual table, it's going to be a great time. At a competitive table, it's going to be a really interesting deck, probably partnered with Timna, um, but still to be determined. Uh, I think it's a really cool card, and I think it's nowhere near the threat that people make it out to be, but it is still a threat in the right deck. One thing I will say is um, in the draft environment, if you get a Tago and you get a Kodama and you get the Guildless Commons, and it's then sick. you get Infinite Rocks. <laughs> uh and <laughs> there was a particular thing i think um edh rec was pointing it out today but like all the things that care about you know the number of uh artifacts you have like your per <laughs> ether grid which tap two artifacts deal a damage and then you just have you know these two guys in the command zone you're dropping rocks all day and somehow those rocks conduct enough electricity to just Metal zap the entire rocks. board true it's can't true. confirm it's as true. an expert can't confirm <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll ask the rock expert. Uh jumping jumping off of what um what Eric said, another commander that is, you know, funnily enough, for a, a someone who isn't as big a threat at the casual table as um we might think they are, not only does Kodama work well with Tago, but it also works really well with my pick, which is uh Sakashima of a This is a faces. Kamigawa conspiracy. I don't Let's like go. it. Yes, Kamigawa is coming back in a big way. Now Sakashima, I believe, is two blue and oh no it's one blue and three generic you may have sakashima of a thousand faces enter the battlefield as a copy of another creature you control except it has sakashima of a thousand faces other abilities which are the legend rule doesn't apply to permanent you control now this isn't something we've seen since uh mirror gallery uh, i think was also from kamigawa a five mana artifact that says you know the legend rule doesn't apply um but with it on uh this card which can now, you know, copy another partner, say, uh, particularly if your other partner is Kodama of the East Tree, now you can proceed to play everything in your hand in descending order for free. Because it neither one will be the... Uh, since, you know, you're going off of two effects, neither one will be going in off of the effect of another. So you just get to play everything out in descending mana cost. Um, I'm not into it for that. I personally like Sakashima as an include in my Okown and Zinder split deck as a way to get a third coin flipper out there to trigger another set of coin flips to hopefully boost Okown or boost Zinder split or whatever one or I have Sakashima Krark copying. But I'm Thumbless. sure, you know, or a second Krark. Um, but whatever, you know, you're up to, particularly with uh, the Legend Rule Clause, like any partner, you know, you can now have two of the best partner. And so that to me is just a ridiculously interesting concept. And I'm sure people will make some crazy clone uh, tribals or rogue tribals or some pretty heinous stuff off of them more than, you know, what we're going into here. Dude, you could have two togs. That's twice as many rocks. You could have so many rocks. That would be sick. What's not sick is that, Eric, you have to leave uh, us, I right? have actually bought myself another 15 minutes. So we're, we're good to keep this ball rolling. Oh, well, shoot. So let's roll right into cards you're most excited to cast, because I'm excited to cast Triumphant Reckoning. Um, I think most of us have seen 
uh, Avengers Endgame. If you haven't, you should. It's a great movie. It is an homage to, like, 30 movies that all built up to this awesome conclusion. And the great moment where everyone walks out of the portals. And it's just everyone in, like, this great moment of... It makes, like, borderline no canonical sense that all these people know each other and are just like, yeah, I got you. Um, It's exactly that, where just, like, all your favorite people, like, Karn's showing up, Ugin's showing up, freaking whoever you want is there. And they just all shoot out of these portals out of your graveyard into the field. Um, the cards affect, uh, I believe it is a, it's like seven and two white, six and three white. Uh, return all artifact, enchantment, and planeswalker cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you don't get any, any of your creatures back, but you get all your planeswalkers back, all your artifacts, and all your enchantments. And I think that there's a lot of really high value stuff that you can do with this. And it's just going to feel awesome to resolve honestly don't even really care if i'm the first one to resolve it that i see whatever game it's in where this gets cast and it just rips a graveyard of high value high power stuff back i'm excited to see it card looks sick i mean i'm just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna roll off that hype train because what my card is basically what happens right after that uh my 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 (laughs) card is a, a chrome a chrome as well which is uh, part of a cycle. Uh, they're monocolored cards that are X characters, will, um, and basically they say you can choose one, they'll have two options, and then if you control a commander, uh, which in this you're twice as likely to because you're probably going to have partners, um, if you control a commander, you may choose both. So for Akroma's Will, uh, you can choose either creatures you control gain flying, vigilance, and double strike until end of turn, which if you are uh, a player of the Khans era, which which is what we grew up in, that's a flying crane kick. <laughs> or you can choose creatures you control gain lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors until end of turn. Um, or you could just choose both, which is great because this is basically just like, all right, we're all back, and now you're dead that's it like protection from all colors you're not killing us you're not blocking unless you're stupid chev and you're playing eldrazi or something um and uh <laughs> we true. have we have that. flying and vigilance and double strike and lifelink and indestructible and it's just no one's messing with you after you cast this also the art is sick it's a bunch of uh like paladins and uh riding on panthers and there's angels like it's just god tier level art it's ridiculous i cannot wait to cast this and absolutely beat someone's face in jumping off of that for um some some eldrazi i i have a a pretty a pretty um hot take i think but you know i think it's time the rules committee revisited old emrakul as a card that's banned in commander i think a 15 15 flying uh protection from all colors uh giant spaghetti monster that gives me someone else's turn uh, or do I get uh, my own I think turn? You're just I don't know. Annihilator Emrakul six. just wrecks stuff up. Oh yeah, and that's right, Annihilator Six. I think it's time, you know, we bring that back. I feel like we haven't seen enough old Emrakul, and it sounds like you know Wizards is working with me a little bit here um, for the card Commander's Plate, which I believe is just one mana to cast, um, five generic to equip, but three if it's to a legendary Your commander creature. specifically. I... Commander specifically, I think it's equip commander, not equip legend. All right point is it will be equipped to my commander uh because my commander of course is cozy like the great distortion um but it gives your creature plus three plus three and protection from all colors that aren't in your commander's color identity 
Now, you know, this is great if you're playing in uh, Boros and you get protection from Sultai, or you're playing in Mono White and you get protection from the other four. But if you're playing in Colorless, now you just have protection from all colors on a 15-15. So really all I need is the Annihilator 6 as an equipment, and we're bringing back the Noodles. Um, and I'm just real excited to slot Commander's Plate into, you know, maybe my Eldrazi deck, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I will never rip a Croson grip so fast. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like freaking quick draw McGraw out here with just blasting Split shots second. at Chev if he ever manages to play this card. Exactly. Exactly. Get out of here. I'm not doing this. Because I can't even counter it. It's too fast. That's true. That's true. Well, luckily, we have good cards like Ring of Immortals to uh, protect us. I don't even know what that does, so. but I'm not going to ask don't worry you know what honestly just it's 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 dumb it's dumb wizards does this thing where they were like let's help out monocolored decks and like two color decks so they did all these things that were like oh the less colors you have the more benefit you get not forgetting that oh ring of immortals is just an ancient card oh well i mean that too but i'm saying there was this oh, whole I, thing i know in this set that there's just plenty of cards i like that yeah mm-hmm I like it a lot too. I don't like it. I don't like it just because we have an immediate player in our playgroup who plays colorless cards, and he's a menace, in my opinion. <laughs> nah. And that would be Kozilek because he has menace. Ha! <laughs> Got him. Right. This is true. <laughs> um. So the card I picked for most excited to cast um isn't quite as triumphant as the other these uh, other guys are, I guess you could say. But it kind of goes along uh, with what we were just talking about, um, trying to boost up monocolored, um. EDH decks. Uh, and that card would be Court of Ire. Now, I'm a big fan of the whole court cycle, and I guess being the token red mage, I have to go with Court of Ire as my favorite. Um, but I just think it does, it does a lot of good things that red likes, and it gets you something that red doesn't usually get, which is a little extra card draw um, in, in a way that's not necessarily like breaking the color pie, so to speak. So... Court of Ire is an enchantment. It's three generic and two red, possibly a little overcosted. Uh, <clears throat> uh, when it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch, just like all the other courts. And at the beginning of your upkeep, Court of Ire deals two damage to any target. Any target. Uh, if you're the monarch, it deals seven damage to that target. So, this is pretty much all I want to be doing in red. I want to play this card, this nice big red enchantment that I could reanimate with Gen. Um, I, I'm going to get an immediate effect with it. I'm going to become the Monarch. Uh, I'm going to draw a card at the end of my end step and sort of dare people to attack me. And then at the beginning of my next upkeep, I'm going to blast something. And uh, hopefully it'll be something big. Maybe not. But this card's great. Uh, and the last thing I'd just like to give a shout out to its art, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's very like Dark Souls-esque, if you ask me. I'm getting better Chaos flashbacks, and I don't know how I feel about it. You should feel good, because that oh, was yeah. one of the better gimmick boss fights, unfortunately. Rip the gimmick boss fights. They were all bad. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. They gotta make one that's not, like, skill-ish based and is just more luck-based, you know what I mean? You just gotta roll the dice a little bit. Speaking of rolling the dice, though... Uh. <laughs> Speaking of rolling the Drinking dice, Crark's <laughs> other thumb? Not not Crark's other thumb. That's flipping coins, brother. I'm talking about rolling the dice. Crark's other thumb is metaphorically. Is, dice. Um, mm-hmm. is it? I thought it was. That's Crark's thumb. 
Isn't that no? Car Croc's thumb flips coins. Oh, what the heck? Croc's other thumb thumb right. flips. Well, now that dice now that my segue has been completely derailed, we talked about cards <laughs> that we most want to cast. Now we're going to talk about cards we do not want to see cast. Is Sagashima's protege? Like, honestly, do we have to? Like, do, Cascade, sure. Copy, sure. Like, they're inconsistent effects, but they're consistent in their inconsistency. You can build around them. You know what you want to copy. You know what you want to cascade into. Cool. Whatever. Really? Like both? One card? I, because sometimes you're going to draw this, you're going to top deck it, and you're going to be like, well, crap. Like, I just got to rip it and hope. And then you get the soul ring off the top and someone else's land of our elves, and it's trash. Or you immediately cascade into your best five drop and then copy it on ETB. And you're like, oh, well, that was one of the best cards I could have drawn ever and played. Sick. Like, it does two things that I accept are in the game, but don't like, and it does them together, and I don't like it at all. Um, oh, I'll read you the card text, because you probably don't have these cards memorized, or didn't just look at the entire list like I did today. Sakashima's Protege is a 6-mana, uh, 4, and 2 blue uh, shapeshifter with flash. It has Cascade, and you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any other permanent that entered the battlefield this turn. If someone flashed something in, or you cascade into something, or you played a card out earlier this turn, you can copy it. It feels like a poorly designed comeback card, or a win more card. It's weird. I don't like it. I think it's dumb. I don't like the art. The art's kind of spooky. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the art. I think the art's fine. I think That art's coming to mess you up. Dude, I'm going to see that art in my nightmares. Jeez. That's terrifying. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's like, I don't know. It just feels off. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're saying, it just feels off. And also, the the thing is, it's so it could be so swingy that it's like I don't want to play this. But you know, when someone plays it against you, they're gonna get the nut. Well, I don't think that's gonna make the cut in Oaks Maelstrom deck. I hope not. So probably aren't gonna have to play it. But I know, you know Chev's gonna put it in his draft deck. If I draft it, mm, I don't know. If I can get Sakashima as a partner and this, we'll be rolling. I would. That would be some pretty pretty heinous stuff. All right, well, anyway, going back to other cards that just, why, why, why? Wheel of Misfortune, why, why is this a card? Uh, let me, let me pull it up so I can read it, even though it's, it's going to give me a headache just to read. Um, so Wheel of Misfortune, two and a red, kind of like Wheel of Fortune, which was a actually good card. Each player secretly chooses a number zero or greater. Then all players reveal the numbers simultaneously and determine the highest and lowest numbers revealed this way. Wheel of Misfortune deals damage equal to the highest number of each player who chose that number. Each player who didn't choose the lowest number discards their hand and then draws seven cards. So if you got confused just reading that, you're not alone. I agree. Um, I This is one of those cards that I think is just unnecessarily complicated, unnecessarily chaotic, and doesn't add anything to the game. I don't really think that anyone is really gaining a great advantage by playing this card and i think in a social format like commander um or at least a traditionally social format like commander that this is just this is not going to enhance the experience of anyone at the table i get it it's like sort of a meme and also wizards just likes to like push the envelope sometimes and just be like well what if we tried to do this because it's weird and off you know off base but like i i just i feel like there's no reason for this card and I'm never going to be happy to see a cast. I think I, I would argue that it, it has one home specifically, and that is with decks that ramp up the damage that red cards do. 
Like if you've got a Torbran in the command zone and like fiery emancipation on the field and all of a sudden like you're doing like serious damage to people for picking big numbers, I think that that has a like a, a serious sort of effect. And it's it's kind of like this other um, uncommon. I don't remember the exact specifics of that one. It's like five and a red. And it's like, uh, it's something to do with um, you can choose to draw a card and then deal damage randomly to an opponent equal to the number of people who drew cards or something like that. Uh, but basically, you know, any of these things that add a sort of like Russian roulette style to red, um, but then red can capitalize on it with uh, damage multiply. I I mean, I understand what you're saying, and that is theoretically interesting, but if you just want to deal lots of damage, there's so many other things that you can do. Like Lightning Bolt, if you have Torbrand plus Fire Emancipation out, is like, that's 15 damage. Yeah, but this one you may draw some cards. Yeah, this one you might Does reload Lightning Bolt in draw your cards, Julian. You also might take a million damage yourself. Like, just don't pick a big number. What? Anyway, I unfortunately have to leave the live version of the podcast. You will receive my answers to the rest of these questions in post. Have a lovely evening. Yeah, Eric's gonna phone a friend. Bye. See you, bud. All right. So we lost a member, but now it's a little bit more intimate. intimate. <laughs> Who wants to go next? I gotta say, I'm I'm not excited to see uh, Apex a Devastator. Um, not for any reason that I believe like, you know, the casting is annoying or it's wonky. I just feel like it's okay. Maybe the casting is annoying cause it's cast triggers, but apex devastator is like a 10, 10 for 10 with cascade four times. And sometimes I will admit that maelstrom hits me in the, the, the sad place after two cascades. So just having a card that, you know, nets you four, um, to me feels a little bit like, uh, okay. Uh, you know, granted, it's not going to be a wonderful Christmas land every time, but it seems like, uh, you know, big, beefy, and nothing but beef since there's n there's not much else that kind of, like, goes with it. You know, you can't, like, prepare for it besides, you know, um, doing some top deck manipulation. So it reads to me as kind of, like, not necessarily phoned in, but I, I don't like just the, the giant smash with uh, who knows what's coming, sort of. Well, Chev, you know what would be worse than casting... An Apex Devastator. Casting what? an Apex Devastator and hitting a reshape the Earth off of it. <laughs> ah, jeez. That would suck. That would be terrible. Um, or or casting Apex when you've got, like, the other things that give creature spells with six or more mana an additional cascade. Oh, yeah. And then, like, hitting a Maelstrom off that. Yeah. Can we not talk about <laughs> that? I'm, like, I'm actively getting <laughs> depressed. <laughs> Specifically, Reshape the Earth is the card that I am least looking forward to seeing uh, cast by anyone, uh, even including myself, honestly. Um, there's two big reasons for this. First one being Vietnam flashbacks of Omnath Standard not too long ago with his many landfall triggers. Um, and the second one is you have when someone casts the spell, you have to wait for them to get 10 lands out of their library and uh, put them <laughs> onto the battlefield tapped. And that is just, like, such a drag. <laughs> um, and, then and you know they like, ain't going for basics on all those. Oh, yeah, definitely not. No, they're going for Cabal Coffers plus, uh, you know, whatever. Or Bork. <laughs> um, <laughs> plus Gaia's uh, Cradle, plus Reliquary Tower, yeah. plus whatever. Yeah. All that. Uh, so... That card seems like it's not going to be a whole lot of fun uh, to me. 
and I'm probably not going to run it in any deck. Oh yeah, and, and of course, like, they're just going to have more mana than God next turn, so... The thing is, this card costs six triple green. It costs nine mana. You already essentially have more mana than God. You know what I mean? Like, and now you need to go get ten more lands? Really? You're going to you're going to spend like you, you there are so many other 9 mana 9 mana spells that could just win you the game. You know what I mean? Well, I guess it depends on if you've got a scoot swarm in play. I don't want to talk about scoot swarm, chef. I don't yeah, want to talk about two, that. 2 to the 10 uh scoots. I know, I know binary math. That's a thousand scoots. <laughs> That's a lot of scoots. That's we're we're breaking arena with those scoots. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh lord. So, you know, on that happy topic, what are we uh looking to play in limited when we finally get our box open? Ah, and, Chev, you're uh, right. This is a limited format. Decks. This is a limited format too. That is right. Um well, my personal pick is uh a common. Because commons, they're the bre the bread and butter of limited. Entourage of Trust. There we go. Entourage of Trust, uh it was originally printed in the second conspiracy, I think. Um, yeah, second conspiracy is the one with mono. Yeah, so it's a four and a green for a four four, which already five mana four four. That's fine. It's an elf soldier. Elf uh, is a relevant creature type in this draft format. And it says uh, when it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. That's great. We love becoming the monarch. One because it draws a card, draws cards. I also just love introducing the monarch to games because I think it uh, introduces some interesting situations and also speeds the games up a little bit people can tend to uh pillow fort a little bit or board stall um and then also just because i guess it's an entourage there's more people there's three there's three people on the card but uh, entourage of trust can block an additional creature each combat as long as i'm the monarch so it gives me an ability to even protect my my throne my crown when i am when i when i am the monarch so i think this card is just kind of almost an absolute house like for a common it's one of those like mythic commons i think this card is gonna be great and limited i agree wholeheartedly julian uh especially regarding just the monarch uh mechanic and limited uh, i think it's just uh, extremely powerful effect um on that note i i'd like to say that really um any of the courts i'd love to pull for limited uh i i, I think any of them would be great just if you can keep that monarchy for even more than a turn, you're really just rolling in it. Um, but my my real favorite card uh, to have in limited, I think, um, it's kind of it's kind of silly and kind of you know a pipe dream. But I'd love to have a mana drain in limited, uh, and the reason for that is because even if you lose the turn you cast the mana drain, even if you counter your own spell with a mana drain. Or just reveal the mana drain to your opponent after the game. You get to walk. You get to look that opponent in the eyes and say, "No matter the outcome of this game, I have won oh, because I walked away with a mana that. drain." And <laughs> I now own a mana drain. You do know. Um, I, I think it. I think I don't remember who this was. I, I want to say it was like uh, I saw a video by like LSV from Channel Fireball or something. But he said the wise words. Everyone deserves to cast a mana drain once in their life. You wanna you wanna roll through and you're like, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna mana drain your torment of hailfire for fifteen. I don't wanna, you know, mana drain your Eldrazi. I wanna mana drain your six mana seven seven. Let's go. Going back down to earth a little bit, I gotta say that my pick for limited is gonna be an arcane signet. It's a nice, 
easy uncommon. Y'all are sellouts. A, a mana rock that will give me, <laughs> you know, like whatever uh, mana I end up choosing. But it's kind of because like I'm, I'm not the best limited player, and I'm gonna choose what things look cool, and that is generally at the um, sacrifice of a limited coherent strategy. So when it comes to like, you know, rifling through the packs, finding two legends that are super cool, having the infrastructure to be able to back up, you know, if I find a legend maybe in pack three that I wasn't expecting and I can pivot with relative ease in terms of um, like mana base and things like that. I think that that's a super useful um, ability to have. And since the draft is pick two pass, you have a high chance of at least getting one of these. And so I'm, I'm super excited to like, you know, at least have a structure that then I can be absolutely insane around. Um, but I have the the base cards to kind of back. Yeah, Chev, I have. That's almost <laughs> responsible. Chev, that sounds very. I, well, you know, if I'm given time to come up with a jank strategy and I can put the money and time into like building something that works with that, that's fantastic. But I want to play jank on every level, and to do that, I need to at least like click my two brain cells together sometimes. Chip, you could slot that arcane signet right into your uh Kozilek deck. I think that'd be a perfect spot. That's for true. It. Yeah. it can be like the time I also slotted Command <laughs> Tower and Path of Ancestry into my Kozilek deck. <laughs> Which for those of you who are unfamiliar with how those cards work, they add a color to your mana pool that your commander's color identity could, you know, contain. Which if your commander is colorless, is none. Same with Commander Sphere. I believe that that was. Did you actually put those cards in your deck? Yeah. You're dumb. One of the original Kozilek builds. I was just like, yeah, I'll just have it be you know colorless. And the uh, the the great thing about you know being able to play a Warping Whale on a Mother of Runes is colorless does not mean color, which is a fun fact Truth. I learned the hard should've way. Should have played Giver. Should have played Giver of Runes. Oh, Oakley plays both, but luckily I was able to get the one of them that I needed. In contrast to Julian's previous category, uh, and hopefully not to be too contrarian, I would actually be really excited to have Wheel of Misfortune in Limited. Uh, in Limited, I usually end up drafting lower to the ground, more aggressive, more mid-range or tempo-oriented decks, and I think this would be a great way to keep that tempo going and keep that momentum going, uh, while even potentially getting some burn damage in there. If you're in a pot of four people in this draft and you manage to rip off a wheel of misfortune, you're probably going to wheel your hand, probably going to refill on resources. It, you're probably going to deal some pretty good damage to someone at the table, even if it's yourself. If you're running this card, I imagine you're running a more aggressive deck and your life total probably isn't the most important thing to you. I, I really think that this would be a fun and powerful card to have in limited. So i I would really look forward to having one of these in my uh, in my toolkit. Well, we've reached our last uh, last category, boys, and it's it's an exciting one. It's best best new art. We are not uh, art students or art aficionados by any means, but hey, we we can enjoy some pretty pictures and some some bright colors and some fancy lines. Am I right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's right. Well, my personal favorite is a. Uh, Kind of, kind of, kind of surprised that Chev didn't uh, go in this vein, but it's uh, Miara, Thorn of the Glade, which is a uh, an elf. Yeah, so Miara, Thorn of the Glade. She's a uh, one in a black for one two elf scout, legendary creature. She has partner, of course, and uh, whenever she or another elf uh, you control dies, you can pay one and one life, and if you do, draw a card. So, uh, pretty good, pretty good uh, partner, uh, especially if you're doing elf tribal. But 
I really love her picture because she uh, appears to be one of those like Lorwyn elves. You know, they had a little bit of black in their color identity, and she's in this beautiful uh, sort of forest clearing. It's like one of those uh, birch forests, so the trees have that nice like white color. Um, it's a very high field of like kind of colorful um, uh, plants and flowers and stuff. So a lot of colors that you aren't really going to see on traditionally a black card you know usually on black cards there's a lot of like blacks and purples because they're like zombies and stuff like that but this is a really pretty one there's like a nice blue sky in the background um and she is right front and center she's got her uh harpoon thing which looks pretty crude i would not want to get stuck with that um but she's kind of like she's got her finger up to her lips she's like shh don't tell anyone that i'm here i'm sneaking around i'm being spooky um which is unsettling because her eyes are pitch black like she looks pretty nice almost attractive but her eyes are pitch black so she's like kind of spooky and uh, behind her it almost looks like there's some dinosaurs so I don't know if she's hunting or if she's hiding but it's got this weird beauty uh, but also it's eerie in the background I realize I've talked too long um, but I really like this art that's pretty nice but you know what else is really nice tell me a man on fire uh what no what now (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) so uh i'll be honest um a a lot of the art in this set didn't really uh jump out at me or speak to me of course we had a couple of nice you know seb mckinnon uh you know black cards in there um which are cool but you know that's that's the cool thing to do now is like oh seb mckinnon he's awesome you know so um yeah i went for he's the new kev walker oh yes I went for one of an artist I had never heard of before. This is Tyler Wapole and uh, Ember Wild Captain. Um, and so for this card, well, while I don't think necessarily like the art style itself is especially unique or they're to write home about, I think uh, with for what it is, it is a very, very cool looking card and definitely not influenced by the fact that it's a red card uh, with uh, monarchy ability. Uh, not at all. But... You see, we, we sort of had this man, he's a djinn, actually, um, on fire, <laughs> and uh, there's, I, I really like the way that sort of, like, you can see, like, the heat uh, signature, like, in his body, like, there's a nice, like, gradient in, like, his limbs and his core, where um, it's, like, brighter. Um, of course, his head's on fire, which just made me think of Chandra now, so I don't like this card anymore. <laughs> um, and, uh, but actually, though, um, uh, just sort of like the flame or like, I can't tell if it's flame or like lava effects that are coming out from behind him and like sort of swirling around him. Um, I just think look really sick. Uh, so Ember Wild, definitely a card I'll be picking up. Definitely a card I'll enjoy looking at. Real quick, I have to shout out, uh, Johans Voss is who did, uh, Miara Throne of the Glade. So good job on you, Johans. Um, not a name that I've seen that often. So hopefully he's an up and comer, uh, doing doing the lord's work yeah ember wild captain is sick um i also really like the the way the background contrasts with like the bright uh red and orange uh he's a gin pirate so i think the background is like a ship like on the deck of a ship but it's like night and there's like this kind of ethereal blue fading into black behind him um it's very like um that first pirates of the caribbean you know when they at the at the night when all the, the dudes turn into skeletons and stuff. It's got that kind of vibe. Except this guy is not a skeleton. He's on fire, which is just better. Yeah. Yeah. He might be a skeleton soon. Um, also, I've just noticed that he's standing directly in front of, like, the, the helm, like, the wheel 
um, which actually adds a really cool... I thought at first that was, like, a rune or something, like, coming out of his back, or, like, behind him, which was summoning the flames, but no, it's just the wheel. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, in terms of my opinion on best new art, I, I know we've talked about her a lot during uh, this podcast, but Obika, Brute Chronologist, like, the art just tells the exact same story as the name on the card and the flavor text and the text itself. It's just a perfect like visual representation and so well drawn. Like she is a brute chronologist and you can see her like looking sort of bored and frustrated punching through space time like she's Doctor Strange. It's awesome. There's just a lot of flavor going on. Uh it's it's really well drawn and illustrated but independent of that i think it lines up really well with what the card does mechanically and sort of how it all works the sort of like wild cloth and like shards of time that she's punching around it's just a really good looking card i I think it's honestly probably the best art in the set i really enjoy it for me um i i I really like wrong turn um the art is by philip berberan and and to give you an idea it's it's I think the style is particularly unique, but I like the the story it tells more than anything. Um, Wrong Turn is a new card. It's one blue and two generic instant, and its target opponent gains control of target creature. So, you know, you you can imagine casting this uh, if there's a particular deadly attack coming at you or to mess up someone's combo. Nine times out of ten, you're probably going to want to prefer just an actual piece of removal. But the art here... Um, is enough to almost make me want to play it, and because I like doing dastardly things. And it's a, a, a very nice-looking library, very ancient, very old bookshelves that, you know, probably have the ladders that slide going across them. Um, a very sort of, like, stoic place, a, a quiet place. And then in the middle, you have this giant ballath with, like, horns coming out of its head and like all these spikes about to scream and it very much looks as out of place as anyone who is in the library is probably looking at this creature and so the idea being like you know how did you get here what are what are you doing here and it's like i don't know i was about to murder something and now i'm in a library and so just like that like almost panic in the look of the creature as it's just like huh and how that really like aligns with what the card is doing is like, you know, that's great that you're doing this thing, but we're going to move you over to someone else who isn't in the middle of combat where you're just going to take a chill pill. You know what this reminds me of is uh, in the first Harry Potter movie where the troll comes in, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he like mm-hmm. comes into the bathroom or something, but it reminds me of that where you're just like living everyday life. It even kind of has like a, a, a Hogwarts looking library. And then all of a sudden there's yeah. just this big goofy threatening but just absolutely dorky monster yep i hope we see more of this monster or this library in um the 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 wizarding plane um i'd just like to say that the first thing i thought of when i saw this card i have no idea why but was that one map on in a uh, battlefront 2 with the library that you just like yeah yeah things up mm-hmm. in. Like one of the objectives is near that all the bookcases always get blown up but <laughs> I, yep. I agree with chev i i really like the flavor of especially like I imagine Julian playing some, like, hard control deck and me playing Maelstrom Wander, and then, like, maybe I play Maelstrom Wander, and then I swing, and then Julian, like, thematically, like, Chev takes my creature and gives it to Julian, and it's like, 
he's ended up in like this like quiet area, you know, like with all these wizards like contemplating and stuff. This big, you know, this big ass monster, um, <laughs> and um, all the wizards are just like shh, you know, <laughs> like you gotta work for us now. Stop so, screaming. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, there's a lot of great new cards in this set. There's a lot of great new partners. There's a lot of great new art. But I think we, uh, I think we hit everything we wanted to. Those were our, our top picks um, for Commander Legends. I think I can speak for all of us, plus our departed friend Eric. Um, not dead, but just not on the cast right now. Um, that we're really excited. <laughs> that yeah, jerk abandoned us. Uh, that we're really excited to play. We're excited to actually get our our uh, hands in play on the limited format, as well as incorporate these into our commander decks. Uh, boys, is there anything you wanna you wanna plug uh, before we sign out? No, I, I think we've got a a couple streams coming up from um, Eric and Julian in the the upcoming days. So people keep an eye out for those as we continue to try and do more of the um, streaming content. And otherwise, just super excited to kind of like once once we've all gotten back and quarantined and done what we, we need to do from a COVID standpoint, being able to at least get together uh, in whatever capacity we can and just jam out these decks and play some games. Yep, uh, I agree totally. Yeah, the streaming schedule as of now we're trying to establish, I believe, is uh, Mondays and Saturdays is going to be Eric. I'm going to try and do Wednesdays and Sundays, I believe, and then we'll see how that works out, but that's going to be it going for now. So if you're listening now, try and check us out there. Um, we'll put all that links in the description as well as you can get all that stuff on our website. Um, shout out to Oak and Chev for doing a lot of that coding and actually making it so that everything looks nice and you can see like when we're streaming and you will maybe even see this podcast or, uh, our most recent podcast. So we've been the hex drinkers. We are super happy to have you. We hope you, uh, we hope you see you next week. This is Jules, and for uh, Chevin Oak and also Eric, we're signing out.